Do you guys like this picture of Dusty? Because every time he has the mic, he makes fun of me. So Leslie, put this picture up for you guys to see. Dusty, do you see it? They're laughing at you. Okay. So, good morning. Welcome to the bridge. Um, like Ben said, I'm Alby. So, um, every year, Pastor Ben sends out a, I sound really loud, <laughs> um, <clears throat> a preaching calendar. And for some reason, he always adds me on it, and today is my day. So, sorry for you guys. Um, so, what he does is kind of like what I do for my children church teachers. He gives me a theme word, and then he gives a sermon topic. And mine is, my theme word is undone, and my topic is choosing love. And Brittany and Andrea made me this awesome graphic. Isn't it cute? But what I'm going to talk about is not that cute, so I'm sorry. Um, so I have been trying to figure out how Ben thought that undone and choosing love go together. Kind of weird. So I'm, I'm going to try to explain it the best that I can, and I hope that you guys understand. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 5, start with verse um, 43. It says, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you... I lost my place. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? It, even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So let's pray. So, Dear Father, I come to you today and I ask you to guide me and lead me and to open their hearts and minds to what I feel that you have given me to say to them. We thank you for everything you're doing, and we love you, and I pray. Amen. So, I know it's Valentine's Day weekend, and it says choosing love, but I didn't want to just do like a cliche thing on love, like, yay, love everybody, it's awesome. Um, but I might still be doing that, I don't know. Um, but the word undone is what I've really been focused on the last few weeks, and the only thing that keeps coming to my mind is when the kids tell each other that you're done, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, Jerrica, Isabella, especially? Yeah. So I asked Isabella, raise your hand, Isabella. She is our student leader for our youth group. I asked her to guide me and to lead me. When, they're, when we're playing games, they're very competitive. They get a little crazy, but they're always yelling, you're done. They probably tell Dusty he's done, like, every service, right? And Sammy gets a lot. I never get it because I'm really nice. Um, so this is what Isabella said. I'm going to read it, okay? I forgot to ask you if I could do that. Anyway, she said, To me, done means completely over. There is no more. It is finished. It could be positive or negative. Positively speaking, done can mean you accomplished something or completed it. Negatively speaking, it can mean you're tired or you feel like quitting or giving up. That's just her thoughts, she said. Then she also told me that the concept of the trend of saying you're done, if you haven't been told that, you haven't been hanging out with teenagers, um, she said, is when people do something stupid or irritating, people use the phrase you're done to show their frustration and aggression caused by that activity. Right? I got it. Okay. 
So, and I think, like the kids usually are doing it in a joking way, but there's somebody, or we've all said about someone that we're done with them. Like we are no longer speaking with them, we're done, they're out of our lives, whatever. Dusty used to be really bad with that. Like you burn him once, he's like, I'm done. I don't need to see you anymore. He's gotten a lot better. But, um, so that's what I want to talk about. Um, so, this leads me to my first person who I think that most people will consider to be done. Like we were just, we don't need to see them, hear about them, or speak to them. Leslie, can you put up my slide? Okay, does anybody know who this bottom picture is of, this prisoner? Brittany? Yes, I knew you would know. Brittany's my true crime junkie friend. Okay, yes, that is Jeffrey Dahmer. If you know who that is, raise your hand. Oh, most people, good. So yes, I'm gonna be talking about a serial killer because I love true crime and I just want to. <laughs> but anyway, huh? I know. Um, so I think that anyone knows, who the, knows about Jeffrey Dahmer or the things that he has done would just say, that the people that knew him then or knew about him, would, he was done. They wanted him in prison. They wanted him dead. They did not care about him. So if you aren't so sure about him, I'll give you a little bit of background. I've already told you he was a serial killer. He had 17 victims that we know of. There's usually more. Um, he suffered from many mental illnesses, but not enough that they said that it, would like, it was a cause of what he did. He was saying he knew what he was doing, whatever. Um, he also dabbled a little bit in cannibalism, which is really creepy and weird. I mean, I don't even eat chicken, so I can't imagine eating people. That's gross. Um, so basically, he was the worst of the worst. Can everybody agree with that? Like, he's just the worst of the worst. He's done. But there were two people who chose love for him. And the first one we're going to talk about, his name is Kurt Booth. He was a pastor. And he had listened, I did a lot of research on Jeffrey Dahmer, so my like history is really weird right now. But anyway, um, he saw an interview that Dahmer was doing, which I watched and it's creepy, but watch it. <laughs> anyway, um, and this pastor said he could tell like in his voice that he was wanting something, he was missing something, that he could tell that he needed some help, some guidance. So Booth started a mail correspondence with him and like the detailing the steps of salvation and you know that kind of stuff. Um, Dahmer was really open to it. He actually asked to be baptized, but the prison didn't have a baptism, which that makes sense probably. Um, so Booth, he wasn't close to where he was, so he found someone else, and his name was Roy Ratcliffe, and he was a minister who lived nearby the prison. So he actually set up like weekly meetings, so he would go weekly to the prison and meet with Dahmer and teach him Bible study. Um, he baptized him, and <clears throat> he got saved. So, people did not like that, because how can this person who just killed 17 young men, young boys, whatever, be getting saved and going to heaven? And, um, one thing I read, and Brittany, there's a book I'm going to send to you, too. <laughs> um, there, one of um, Ratcliffe's, the people that attend his church, um, is quoted as saying, 
<laughs> if Jeffrey Dahmer is going to heaven, I don't want to be there. So that's like how done the society and people were with it, this man. Because he was like, this, he, that cannot be possible. How can someone this evil, how could he have accepted Jesus and became a changed person? So lots of people don't even believe it, for one. But the two pastors who spent time with him, they're like, I have no doubt that he is in heaven and I'm going to meet him when I get there. I'm going to see him. So. so the point that I want to make with that is that they chose to love Dahmer, not the things that he did, maybe not even the person that he was, but they chose to love like Jesus loved. And so I'm going to read you John, chapter 15, 12, and it's very simple. It says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. And that's what these two men did. They loved Jeffrey Dahmer in the way that Jesus did. Jesus saw him as a broken person who needed his healing and his salvation, and he gave it to him. So, I thought that was really cool. All right, so the next picture, you might know who that is. Yeah, it's Jesus, <laughs> but on this, the other person is the thief on the cross. Um, so, I wanted to research this. Why was this thief on the cross next to Jesus? What did he do so bad that he deserved? And we know he's a thief, but, I mean, when people have been stealing cars around here, we haven't been crucifying them. Um, but um, I learned that crucifixion was an early form of capital punishment. So, like, in some states or whatever, there's, you know, the death penalty. This is what they did. Um, so it was typically reserved for what they called low-life criminals and enemies of the state. So, like, apparently if you stole someone's horse, it was a really big deal. Like, that was, like, I guess probably, like, stealing someone's car. I guess that makes sense. Um, so I think the fact that he is on the cross beside Jesus tells us that to hit the people there, his community, his society at the time, they would consider this thief to be the worst of the worst. That's why he was there. Um, so if Isabella was talking to him, she would be like, you're done, right? You'd be done. He stole your horse, Isabella. Okay, <laughs> so... Um, but I think Jesus does a really good e example of showing us to choose love in that moment. Jesus, I would say, is having the worst day he's ever had on earth. I mean, he's also dying with this man. But he chooses to show him love. Luke 23 says, One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, Are you the Messiah? So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. So obviously it's Jesus. He could do it, but he didn't. Um, and the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. So he's even admitted, like, I have made big mistakes. I am the worst of the worst. I deserve to be put to death. But he's saying that Jesus didn't. But Jesus, being him, said, remember, um, where he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus, having the worst day of his life as a human, showed love to this thief who everyone else was done with. Um, so then my final one is this picture of two faces with question marks. So you might already know what I'm going to say, but I just want you to think of whose face would be in that picture. I know who mine is. Um, and if you don't have somebody... I'm really proud of you. 
But if you're like me, then you know exactly who it is. Um, so who is your worst of the worst? Who are you just done with? You think everybody else should be done with? Um, so I know that you're wondering if I'm going to tell you to choose love and to be undone with them. And I am. But it's going to be hard. I know that. And I'm going to try to help you do it. And I need you guys to help me do it, too. Because when I was telling Dusty, like, kind of, like, bouncing stuff off of him, I was like, I'm preaching this, but I don't do this. He's like, well, how are you going to do it? How can you tell them to do it? And I was like, because I'm going to do it with them. <laughs> so, um, so when I'm saying to choose love, I'm saying to love them like Jesus does. I'm not saying they need to be having dinner with you at the Super Bowl party tonight. I'm just saying we need to love them like Jesus does, which I think means we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying that God reaches them wherever they are and that God changes their life so that they can go to heaven with us. Um, so, and in, in knowing that, we have to point out the obvious that God's love is unconditional. That's really hard for human minds to understand because our love is not unconditional. We try, but it's not. Um, and I'm just going to be real with you guys, and I have expressed this over and over to Dusty, that, <laughs> that God's love being unconditional is almost, you guys are going to think I'm a bad person, but almost it's annoying to me at times. Because in my selfish mind, I struggle knowing that some of the worst of the worst people can get the gift of salvation and just go to heaven. Like, sometimes I struggle with that. I shouldn't, but I do. Um... So, and then I was reading in Psalms. I've been a mess this week, guys. But anyway, in Psalms 136, if you've ever read it, the whole chapter is just like saying, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful and love endures forever. That's nice. Give thanks to God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Okay. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Got it. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. And it just keeps going over and over and over. All these things, but his love endures forever. All these things, his love endures forever. I'm like, I get it. His love is everlasting, which means it's unconditional. It does not change. Um, so that made me start thinking about, like, my person that I see in that picture and for, like, the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world, how... Is God's love for them unconditional when they've did all these things? I think if you're being honest, sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow, at least for me, if your person is as bad to you as my person is to me. <laughs> um, but we have this woman's group on Facebook that Sandy Ruckel started. We love it. Um, if you're not in it, you need to get a part of it. There was a post made a really long time ago but it's never left me. I've always thought about it because it was just so strange to me. So I went back and found it this week, and it was 47 weeks ago. It's a long time, but I still remember it. I could almost tell you it without even reading it because that's how much it like stuck with me. So I messaged this person. I was like, can I use a part of what you said Sunday morning? And I was like, I don't have to tell your name. And they were like, she was like, oh, I don't care. Go ahead. That's fine. Um, so I'm just going to read a couple parts of it to you. She said, I really don't know if I'll explain this thorough enough about how I feel, but I'm going to try. My mind has been sick, 
not in the way of molestation or murder or sex trafficking, but sick. When I say sick, I mean any thought put into action that wasn't good for myself or anyone else. Mine was somewhat self-inflicted, but in other ways it wasn't. So partly my choice, partly not my choice. With that being said, I feel like I can forgive anyone for anything. I, with the help of Jesus, have been able to forgive a lot of people for a lot of bad things done to me and my kids. I'm a deep thinker, and I look at every angle possible when something happens. So she said, I'm going to just read this to you one more time, this part. Um, I feel like I can forgive anyone for anything. That is not me. Um, and then I'm going to, it's a pretty long post, I'm just going to skip, and I'm going to read this little part to you. She said, the world is so heartbreaking when it comes to kids being mistreated. I feel sorry for the child and the one mistreating. I feel sorry for innocent people getting killed by drunk drivers and drug users. I feel sorry for the one behind the wheel and the one that got hit. Women who are battered, I feel sorry for the giver and the receiver. I can't help but feel sorry for everyone, the innocent and the sick. At the end of the day, we are all someone's mother, father, sister, brother, daughter, son, who are all loved by their family no matter what. And I tell myself that God loved me, never gave up on me. And there's more. But when I read that at the time, it was like one of the darkest times of my life. And I was like, she's crazy. No one can do that. I can't do that. <laughs> and um, so this week, I went back to find it. And I started reading it to Dusty. And I was like, listen to this. And he was like smiling at me like a weirdo. I was like, what? He's like, I already knew what you're going to read because the day that I was posted, you read it to me and said the same thing. Like, no, that's not possible. <laughs> but what I've came to realize this week is that the reason Joe John has said these wonderful things is because she is choosing to love like Jesus does. She, was, she is choosing to love as unconditionally as she possibly humanly can. Joe John, I think you're awesome. Um, so I know that it's the weekend before Valentine's Day. You guys are probably hoping for, you know, a cute message about love, and I've been talking about serial killers and, you know, really terrible things. <laughs> but I do have a challenge for you for Valentine's Day, and it's going to be hard. So I'm not making you do it today because we're going to get through it together and we're going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> um, tomorrow I want you to spend time with the people you love, make them know that you love them, your friends, your family, your significant other, your kids, whoever. But also, whoever that person was that you see in that picture, I need you to pray for them tomorrow. I don't want to cry. <laughs> so have I prayed for my person? No. <clears throat> but I'm going to tomorrow with you guys. <laughs> so, um... And I've known about this for a while, and I still haven't did it. But I think that if you guys are praying for me to be able to do it tomorrow, I'll be praying for you guys. We'll pray for your person tomorrow. Have I prayed for this person in the past? Yes. Did I pray for them in the way that I needed to? No. <laughs> That's probably why those prayers wasn't answered, because <laughs> they weren't always nice prayers. But tomorrow, I'm praying <sighs> that God's love finds them, And that he changes them so that he can go to heaven, even if I think that maybe he doesn't deserve to. So, anyway. 
So if your struggle, your anxiety, your fear is as strong as mine, I know tomorrow is not going to be easy. Um, if your doneness for them is just so strong that you can't imagine it ever being different, I get it. Um, but we're going to do it because we are family at the bridge and we all want to love God and we want to love people. And by doing that, we have to love people like Jesus does, which means we have to love them as unconditionally as we can and love them in a way that maybe doesn't even fair, seem fair to us. So, um, <clears throat> if you guys will stand with me and just shut your eyes. So I understand that some of you are maybe feeling like you are the one that's undone, that maybe God is just done with you. He's not. We're not. The bridge, we're not. We love you. If you have never experienced this unconditional love that I'm talking about, God's waiting for you. Um, so if that's you, you can just raise your hand, and I'll pray for you. Maybe as soon as that picture came up and I said to think about that person, you knew immediately who it was and you want to choose love for them, I, I want you to raise your hand if you have that person. Yeah, a lot of you. Um, so I'm going to pray for you that God can do this for you. I need you guys to pray for me tomorrow because I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> but I'm going to do it. <clears throat> so, dear Father, you saw the hands of those who feel like they are undone, and I ask you to wrap your loving arms around them. I ask you to forgive those who have yet to fully experience your love. I want you to fill them with your love on this Valentine's Day weekend. And lastly, Father, I ask you to give us the strength to love like you do, which means choosing to love those we feel done with, the ones we feel don't deserve it. Guide us tomorrow as we start praying for these people who, God, is going to be really hard for us to even pray for. God, I want you to teach us to love like you do. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs>